Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I'd like to echo what has already been said. Welcome today. Awesome day that the Lord has given us to worship the Lord. And we want to thank you for being with us. Those that are watching online, thank you for joining us online. Praise the Lord. Any of you ever had a child or a grandchild want to do something themselves? You know, they, they don't want your help. They just want to do it. I, I think primarily of somebody dressing themselves. And it usually happens, parents and grandparents, when you're in a hurry. And they want to dress themselves. And for us guys, most of the time, uh, or at least my experience, it seems like we always get the wrong buttons. And if we do that, get the, the shirt button wrong, I mean, I, I still, every now and then, I'll go half a day and find out, hey, doesn't join up there. That's one good thing about ties, at least you find out if they button right. But, you know, we want to do it ourselves, and, and we want to do that. And, and, of course, for the ladies or girls, they like to uh, put on their change, uh, pick out their clothes and their shoes, and the mama said, that looks terrible. But the kid says, I did it myself. Then we... We need to understand that we, that's not all bad because we learn by doing. And then we quote that scripture, God helps those who helps themselves. <laughs> you say, what scripture is that? Well, it's really not a scripture. That comes from Aesop's fables and then quoted by Benjamin Franklin. And now we still quote it today uh, right, right in line with that cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, those great scriptures that's not written in the Bible. Now, the reality is God wants us to work. How many, how many believes it's okay to use common sense? How many knows that you can be a Christian and still not be, have to be a jerk? You know, there's a lot of things that we can do. And, but the reality is sometimes we're like the child wanting to do it themselves. How many knows that's not a new concept? Regardless of how old a person is here today, they can say, no, that was around in my day. That's not new. Today, we've been looking at prophets in the Old Testament. And today, we're looking at the prophet who tried to do it himself. That's still a rampant problem today. Now, some of you say, well, I don't think I can do it by myself, but I really think that God needs my help. So maybe you say, well, instead of the prophet that tried to do it myself, say, well, the one who tried to help God. That's not a new concept, that we want to do it ourselves. If I had to give out a life passage, I love Scripture but if I had to say, I think this passage is my life passage, it would have to be Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 8. Some of you, that's your favorite verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Or King James Version said, direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The reality is we have to reach a place where we don't have to do it ourselves. It used to embarrass me. I used to get embarrassed when somebody said, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get three different sermons every week, how you tolerate people, how you do different things. And it used to embarrass me because my response has to be, I don't. I don't. I can't do it by myself. I said, I, I can't do it by myself. And I know some of you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I, I don't try to do it by myself. Listen, I've been around the block a few times. Even our prayer list. Listen to you pray. Hey, God, I got a need. And I've got it lined up in 10 easy steps. And if you put this one and 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 do it like I've got it figured out, all you got to do is touch that end domino and they'll all fall. The reality is we can't depend upon our own understanding. We can't depend upon our own strength. But that, again, this is not a, a new concept. It started way, way back in the Bible. And the one we're looking at today is recorded in the book of Genesis. That's the book of the beginnings. And I want us to begin the story. You have to read it all, and I don't have time to do that today. But let's, let's begin by reading in chapter 25, verse 20 through 26. Remember last week we talked about Abraham getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac grew up. Isaac had children of his own or, have, or was going to have children of his own. And that's where we start in verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethel, the Aramean of Panat Ram, the sister of Laban, the Araman, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now we read later on that he was 40 years old, uh, uh, excuse me, he was uh, 60 years old when the child was born. So that means they had been married for 40, 20 years. Math's not real good today. 20 years. And he said, well, you know, we want to have some kids. We want to have some kids. So they prayed and asked God. And it says, and the Lord granted his prayer and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, said, okay, God, if you're blessing me with a pregnancy, why am I having these issues? And he said, there are two nations are in your womb. In other words, you're going to have twins. And two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red. All of his body was like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. 
And afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. In other words, they'd been married 20 years. And when the boys grew up, Esau was a, a skillful hunter, a man of the field. And while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. In other words, we had this two kids with different personalities. One of them was a the daddy's boy. One of them was a the mama's boy. And can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. I said, there's nothing wrong with either one of them. Just two different type of personalities, two connections in the family. But from the very beginning, Rachel, or excuse me, Rebecca, the mother, decided that God needed her help. Because she had to make sure that everything that God said was going to happen. Now, do any of you catch the foolishness of that statement? But every one of us have been guilty. Well, maybe everybody but one. But most of us have been guilty. Even when we know that God says something, we think that he needs his, our help to make it all come about. So we begin to make plans. We begin to kind of plan everything out, and even border on the deception. Yeah. To make things happen the way God told us they would happen, and we know that God can't do it by himself. Now, unless some of you get the big head and think, listen, pastor, I appreciate what you're saying, but God needs us. Really? He used a donkey. Huh? He doesn't have to have you. Now, he uses people. Thank God. Aren't you glad God uses people? But listen, if you think that you've got a monopoly on something and God has to use you, you've got a problem. It's called pride. One of our prominent evangelists from years gone by his associate told me this personally. He was on national TV and said, if, this, if I don't do this, it will not get done. And as soon as he came off the stage, my friend said, listen, this is what you said. He said, no, I didn't mean that. He said, no, the problem is you really did mean it. Listen, God doesn't have to have us. I thank God he uses us. I thank God he loves us. But he doesn't need us to take care of his job. We could preach that a long time. We could approach that from a lot of different angles. But before we get to Jacob's life, let's look a couple of significant things in Esau's life. Now, Esau was the oldest he was supposed to have been the one that everything came to. He was the elder brother. Now, they were twins, so we're talking about minutes apart, maybe even seconds, just a little bit of time apart, but he was the oldest. He came out first, so he was the oldest, and he was supposed to be the one with the birthright. He was supposed to be the one, that the, the head of the household, the head of the family. But let's look at a couple of significant things. Uh, 
he sold his birthright. Now, for simplicity's sake, let's just say he sold his spiritual blessings for a bowl of soup or a bowl of stew. He sold it for a bowl of stew. And then after he'd sold it, it became distasteful to him. He hated the, material, the spiritual blessings because he had sold them for nothing. Now, let's read that. Chapter 25, verse 34. It says, then, then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. That which he had supposed to have had coming to him, a great blessing, by the way, he hated it because he had sold it for nothing. Now, Esau was not looking for spiritual blessings. He was looking for material blessings. Now, folks, I think all of you know that I believe that God blesses us with material blessings. He blesses us in so many ways. But we do not serve God for material things. We serve God for who he is in that relationship that's already been mentioned. Amen. That we can be part of him and he can be part of us. We don't do it. And when you begin to think of God as your errand boy, you've got a problem. I said, you've got a problem. Well, he's got to bless me. I've heard people say, God's got to answer that prayer. God don't have to do anything because he is sovereign. Now, does he choose to do things? Will he bless us? Does he heal us? There's so many things we can go on and on. Yes, 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 yes. But, but God desires us to have spiritual blessings as well as the material blessings. But when the material blessings become more important than the spiritual blessings, sometimes we get neither. Just saying. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac, that was a dad, invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Drop down to chapter 12, verse 16. No one that's sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessings, when he reached a place that he wanted the, the spiritual blessings, guess what? It wasn't there. It wasn't there. He was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So that was the older brother Esau, and we, we're not really studying his life today, but we need to understand the part that he played and see he was a trickster too. He was the deceiver as well. Maybe not as much as Jacob, but he was. Now, on to Jacob. The name literally means supplanter or deceiver. Now, I know most of you, if not all of you, knew that. But he grew up with it. He grew up in a dysfunctional family. I know none of you have that problem. The reality is almost every one of us in some ways have a dysfunctional family. If your family is totally all normal, I'd like to meet them. I've never met one of those families before. Huh? But they had issues. 
And deception was rampant in their family. It started even back with Grandpa Abraham. Didn't he deceive? He said, that's not my wife. That's really my sister. They didn't totally lie because it was his half-sister. He just kind of deceived. He deceived. And God had revealed to Rebekah that Jacob would be the leader. And it, but it seems that from Jacob's birth, she was determined to make it happen. I know you wouldn't do it, but do you know some people that try to do that? I, nobody is voting this morning. <laughs> I mean, we get this grand plan. Hey, I got an idea. And if I can do this and this and this and this and this, we, we, we make the plans. Now, a good thing is that God sometimes gives us a glimpse of the future. Sometimes God gives us a vision. Sometimes God gives us a dream. Sometimes God speaks to us in a voice that we can hear. Sometimes he speaks in that still, small voice. The reality, yes, God can give us directions, but he doesn't need your help to try to figure out how it's going to come about. We have a prophet that felt like God needed his help. Maybe God has revealed something to you. And by faith, you're expecting it to happen. You're expecting to receive it. Praise God. I know it's tough, but wait for it. I said, wait for it. Let me say it again. Wait for it. Oh, but pastor, if I do this, then all God's got to do is just connect the dots. Bless your heart, he may not have the same dots you got. <laughs> he may not take you on the same journey. But if it's God's plan, if it's God's desire, all the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. But the mother, she said, God needs my help. We need to understand we can't do it ourselves. Don't try to make it happen. Now, it's an interesting story. It says that Isaac, not knowing when he was going to die, how many knows that's true for most of us? Huh? He didn't know when he was going to die. Now, my first reading, I thought, as he neared death. But he wasn't on his deathbed. So guess what? It appears that Jacob, I mean, that Isaac had some issues as well. He knew that his wife was planning on letting Jacob be the right owner. But he liked, his boy was Esau. That was daddy's boy. And so he said, hey Esau, I don't know when I'm going to die. But I want to make sure I take care of it before I die. Because I don't want her making decisions on what I do with mine. That almost sounds like today, doesn't it? 
So I want you to go fix me my favorite lunch. So when you come back in, I can bless you. How many knows it didn't take a lot of pressure to get Esau to do that? All right, Dad, I'll be right back. I'll be right back because I want that blessing. But guess what? Mama Rebecca overheard the conversation. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Daddy is fixing to give out his inheritance. And you need to go bring me a kid and let me fix it. And I want you to pretend to be Esau. Now, if you get nothing else out of this lesson today, I want you to get this. Go to Genesis chapter 27, verse 22. Genesis chapter 27, verse 22. So Jacob, he got back first because he just killed a a lamb that was already there. He didn't have to go chasing it through the woods. So he got it there first. And his wife had been cooking for her husband a long time. She knew what he liked. And so it was good. But says, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son. To know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. If you get nothing else, hearing the voice of God supersedes your feeling. I said, hearing the voice of God, hey, listen, church, I grew up in the same as God. I love the move of the Spirit. I love to feel God. Aren't you glad you can feel God? But how many knows that you can't go by feeling? If I'd have went by feeling, I wouldn't have got up here and preached this morning. I'm glad I don't have to go by feeling, Brother Bob. But I can hear the voice of God. And Isaac said, listen. You sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. Do not let your feelings supersede what you hear from God. I want to tell you, that's worth the price of admission right there. So that's what happened. He deceived him. He was a supplanter. And so his mother said, now, Jacob, you get out of Dodge. Now, I want you to, this could be a whole sermon in itself. Everything that he sought, everything that he wanted to get, all that inheritance, he had to leave behind. He left town with nothing except his staff. 
He put his backpack on and he hit the road. Didn't have a family, didn't have anything. And why did that happen? Because they were trying to help God do his job. He wanted to do it himself. Now, there's a lot we could spend here, but we, we got to hurry. But let's go to Genesis chapter 28. After, as they were leaving, he was sent to Laban to get a wife. And as he was going to Laban, he went through Beersheba. And he spent the night and he had a dream. And that's recorded in Genesis chapter 28. I just want to read verse 20. The dream was a ladder going to heaven and God's blessings. But then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, I will, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Folks, we can't pull deals with God. We don't bargain with God, and the reality is you don't have anything he needs. When you're the creator of the universe, he can do about what he wants to. But, but Jacob made this vow. Now, I've got to tell you now, it really doesn't fit into the story, but this vow was not fulfilled for 20 years. 20 years, because see, when he left there, he got to Laban's country. Laban was Rebekah's brother. And guess what? Jacob met his match. Deceiver met deceiver. And when that happens, guess what? Someone is going to be deceived. And so you had Laban and you had Jacob. They had both been well, well trained. They had both been a, one of them was a deceiver and the other was a salesman. <laughs> and they put them together and they were both deceived. He fell in love with, uh, Jacob fell in love with Rachel. Bible says Rachel was very nice to look at. She was beautiful. And he fell in love with her and he went to Laman and made a deal. He said, listen, I'll serve you I will be your indentured servant for seven years for this privilege of marrying your daughter. And Laban says, that sounds like a winner to me. And so he did. And the Bible says that for seven years they flew by because he was so in love with Rachel. But on their wedding night, after they had been married... He woke up the next morning and opened his eyes and it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah, her sister. And I'm sure Jacob, the supplanter said, boy, I got suckered into that one. But he went and made another deal. He said, I'll serve you another seven years. So for 14 years, he got two wives. Now some say that was a bargain, some say that's punishment. It all depends on which way you're looking at it. But he got two wives for seven, uh, 14 years' work. And all this time, God was blessing. 
Aren't you glad that God can bless even when we're not living to perfection? God was blessing. And he was, he was blessing them. And then he made another deal. He said, listen, Laban, if you will let me serve you and I'll start taking all the calls. I'll take all the leftovers. And you know, deceiver met deceiver. You can study that one. And, and God blessed both of them. So after six years, that's 20 years total. After, I think that Laban may have been getting a little bit tired of being deceived by the deceiver. And the deceiver was getting tired of being deceived by his boss man and father-in-law. And they said, we need to do something. So he decided to go back home. Trying to go back home. And... Go back to chapter 32, verse 6. Chapter 32, verse 6. He sent part of his, by this time, Jacob had become quite wealthy. God blessed him. And we find that he had left nothing with a staff in a backpack. I'm just throwing in the backpack. Because the only thing we know they had was a staff. But now he had flocks. He had flocks and he had two wives. And let's read it. Chapter 32. Verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob and said, We came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps thinking, if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Okay, let's divide him up. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord has said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. How many, how many knows that that's kind of typical too? We begin to remind God of his, his promises when we're in a mess, when we're in a bind. He says, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of the steadfast love and the faithfulness that you've shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed the Jordan and now I've become two camps. He said, I had nothing when I left. Now I've got all these flocks. I've got this family. God, you've blessed me and I don't deserve your blessing, but I need your help. I can't do this, what? Alone. I can't handle this alone. I mean, for all his life up to this time, he'd been doing it without God, or he thought he was. He had it all planned out. He made, he's deceived, he lied, he cheated, and everything was coming together. He said, but now I see, listen, God, I can't handle it. Now, I'm going to pause right there and just say some of you at that stage today. You've tried to do it yourself. You've tried to help God out. You may have not deliberately or thought that you were doing anything wrong, but it's come to the conclusion, I can't handle this anymore. That's what God is waiting for. I said, that's what God is waiting for. Jacob, by this time, was grown. We know that he'd been gone from home for 20 years. So he was probably at least 50 years old. 40 to 50 years old. 
But it dawned on him. I've tried to help God all my life. I tried to make God's promises come true. And I realize now that God really didn't need my help. He didn't need my hindrances. I should have just trusted the Lord with all my heart and let him direct me. He said, God, do you notice I'm doing what you said? I'm not doing what I feel, but what you said. And something had happened to him because he was willing to give a lot of his material blessings to his brother Esau. He said, Esau, these are all gifts for you. I don't have to have them. This was a guy that had to have it all. Something had happened. Something had happened. Let's drop down to verse 22. After he had sent the groups ahead, it says, The same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then God, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is that you ask my name? And There he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because it touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Now, amazing thing, he wrestled. Now remember the ladder and the promise that he had made? That was a dream. That was a dream. This was not a dream. This was literal. Now, if you've ever had a dream that became so literal that your hip was out of place when you got up the next morning, then maybe you can do that. But he literally fought with an angel or literally fought with God. And there was a lot of issues there, but One issue that the angel asked him or God asked him or whoever was fighting asked him, he asked him, what is your name? In other words, who are you? Who are you? Folks, before someone can get saved, they have to come to the condition and realize that they're a sinner. We're all sinners saved by grace. And there's a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a pretty good guy. I was born in America. I was born in the South. I'm I'm from the Bible Belt. I'm okay. But until you acknowledge that you're a sinner, 
there's not much God can do for you. Because, see, until you acknowledge you need a Savior, I said, until you acknowledge you need a Savior, you really are being in denial. You're deceiving what? Yourself. So he said, I am Jacob. Now, the word Jacob, as we've already said, means supplanter or deceiver. And so he said, who are you? He said, I'm Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I'm a supplanter. God's blessed me. But everything I've got, got through deception. And I think God basically said, I've been waiting for you to say that. I've been waiting all your life. And you were 20 years old. For 20 years, you went head to head with the deceiver. And you won some battles. He won some. But now you finally admit who you are. And he said, it's going to be a change. What's the change? He said, your name is going to become Israel. Now, when we think of Israel, we think of a nation. That's true. When we think of Israel, we think of the descendants of Jacob. That's true. But do you know what the name Israel means? Israel literally means the one who wrestles with God and prevails. The one that prevails. And our terminology said the one that wins. And the one that wins is not the one that tries to do it themselves. The one that wins is not the one that helps God out. The one that wins is said, I trust in the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and strength. I'm going to trust God because he knows what's best for me. I don't know that. And I know some of you say, well, pastor, that's a neat story. But how does that apply to us in 2021? How does that apply to us in the middle of COVID? How does that apply to us when everything's going on around us? How does that apply? Well, let me just remind you of some lessons that this lesson taught. Number one, trying to help God is a common occurrence. In other words, you're not alone. Let me say that again. You're not alone. Most of us would have to say, I'm guilty. Most of us have to say, I'm going to plead no little contender. I'm going to just throw myself on the mercy of the court because I'm guilty. Then we must come to a place where we replace God's will or our will for God's will. See, that's what happened to to Jacob. He said, God, if you'll do this, then I'll serve you. 20 years later, he fulfilled that. 20 years, he lived up to the promise that he made 20 years ago. What happened? He came to the place to realization that God's will was greater than his will. Thirdly, we must admit our inadequacies. 
We've got to admit our dependence on God. And I know that there's an element in our society that says any Christian is just a weak person. Well, I can tell you, I'm the weakest of the weak because I need God. I need his strength. I need his power. I need his direction. And I found out a long time ago, I can't do it by myself. Another lesson we learned, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to learn. And then there's something that I I feel like I've got to share. I cannot verify this. I believe it to be true. Because see, after Jacob left home, Rebecca is never mentioned again. Except she died and was buried. I tend to believe that Rebecca's main objective was to have her son Joseph elevated in the family and that she could love on her grandkids. She could love on her son that she loved so dearly. But she probably never got to see him again. Remember Isaac uh, that was seemingly on his deathbed? He lived a long time. He lived another 30 or 40 years after Jacob got home. You say, well, what's significant of that? The point is, is sometimes we have to release that that we want to keep. Let it go. Not try to control it. But let it go. Then the last lesson may be the most significant. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. I said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Anybody can start, but you got to persevere, got to wrestle. And that's what Israel means. Wrestled and persevered. So sometimes we have to let go and realize that God doesn't need our help, He needs our submission. And we submit to God. I don't know if this catches you as funny. Everything that Rachel did was done to accomplish what God wanted done. But she just wanted it done her way. Is anybody like that? Anybody anybody else have that problem or just me? And I realized, hey God, we want the same thing. I'm totally convinced God and I want the same thing. You say, why would you say that? Because he knows what's best for me. And I like best. I like best. I don't like mediocre. 
You know what mediocre is? If you're mediocre, that means you're either the worst of the best or the best of the worst. I don't want to be mediocre. I want to be the best that I can be for the glory of God. And God created me. His hand is on me. Let me change that. His hand is on you just as much as it was on Jacob. And he's got a plan for your life. Let go of the plan. Let God work it. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, such great lessons from this prophet who started pretty bad, but he finished strong. He finished as more than a conqueror. Oh, he didn't become perfect on this earth. He still had his issues, still had his struggles, but he realized that your plan was so much better than his plan. Now, God, we ask you to help us to not go by feelings today, but go by your word. Help us, Lord, to submit to you. And submission begins when we acknowledge we can't do it. When we acknowledge that we've got to have help, we've got to have direction, we need your anointing. So Father, I submit every need that's represented here within this building today, every need and every life, every plan that you have for those that are watching online. God, we ask you, Lord, to help us to surrender to you and help us realize that we're not capable of doing it ourselves any more than a young child is capable of fully dressing themselves before they can do that. They need us. And God, we need you. So we ask you to minister by your power and your strength and your anointing today. Have your way. And we surrender to you. We surrender to you. I'd like to ask you, please remain in your seat unless, unless you want to say, I'm going to surrender everything to God. I'm going to try to stay out of the way. Now you say, why would you say that, Pastor? Because I know that self sometimes tries to reassert itself. But if you're standing in the need of direction, the need of direct guidance, the need of a miracle, the need of something because you realize I can't do it. If you're standing in the need of forgiveness, what's the first thing you have to do? Hey, I've got a need. I've got a need. So I'd like to ask you just remain in your seats for a few moments unless the Holy Spirit's prompting you and saying, I want you to yield to me, fresh in you today, give me your life, and I will direct your steps. Acknowledge me and lean not upon your own understanding. In other words, don't try to do it yourself. This message has been in the, week for, in the works for two or three weeks, but I'm so glad that God allowed me to preach it today to remind me that I can't work things out myself. I have to allow God to do it.
So as we sing this song, we're going to pray for those and with those that stand. But if you'd like to say, I'm going to take a stand today. I'm acknowledging my need for direction, my need for surrender, my need to get out of the way and let God do it. That's you. Stand to your feet as we sing this song. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.